This podcast is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find other great shows on the network, head over to deluxeeditionnetwork.com. That's deluxeeditionnetwork.com. Hey, Meg, we're back. We did it. Hey. Episode 27. Did you know last week was half of a year of episodes? Really? Yeah, it's pretty crazy, right? 25, 26 weeks. Half cool. a year. Okay, six months. Happy six months well, of the Your Town Podcast. Maybe we'll do something special. Probably not. <laughs> but we have a pretty amazing story. This one was sent in by a friend of the show goes by Yubin on social media. I'm not going to say the last part in, but this one was a, a story that was within, I think he said like 20 miles or so of him. And this story is unbelievable. I mean, the last one was pretty crazy that we did episode 26 and mm-hmm. it, it seems like it should be a movie. seems like it should have been possible. But this one is wild and it's very, very dark and twisted. And that might even be an understatement. Read the title, you probably realize, but if you can't read, or maybe you just uh, don't feel like reading the title, this is about Skidmore, Missouri. And this town puts the misery in Missouri. The creepiest small town in America. Nice. Is, uh, yeah, the creepiest small town in America. Many people say Skidmore, Missouri. It is unbelievable. So I think we should jump right into this. Want to do the intro? Yep. Should probably do the thing, right? Do the thing. You tell me when. Right now. Okay. Skidmore, Missouri is Western Missouri. Population in the latest census is, guess what? 245 people. Seems to be some pretty good correlation with very, very, very small towns and creepiness. (laughs) I mean, remember when we did the mines, there's like nobody there. And then we did the one with the the small town down in the valley. There's nobody there anymore. It's a ghost town. Dark (laughs) pass. But uh, we do take pride in small town stories. So this is pretty small. And when you look up everything on this town, it's just not good. Like not good at all. Obviously, we use Wikipedia a lot. We give a lot of uh, information on our sources and everything. And when you go to Wikipedia, it could be probably the shortest Wikipedia page I've ever seen. I mean, if I had a Wikipedia page for your town podcast like me and Meg did, it would be longer than this town, which is (laughs) wild. And uh, there's multiple major stories that hit this town over several decades. And like I said, um, I asked uh, my buddy Eubin. And I said, hey, which one? Because there's multiple stories in here. And you haven't seen or read any of this, right? Correct. So we're going to get your live reaction just with the viewers, which I think is a lot of fun. And this one was written by me. So Zach doesn't get any credit, but he's a little bit busy. So, um, all right. So there's one that's known as the Town Bully. And we're going to start with that one. All right. You ready for this? I'm ready. And town Bully is what he is described as. And I think I'm curious what you would call him instead but his real name is ken rex mckelroy he was born in 1934 the 15th of 16 kids 15 16 kids uh, yeah he was born to poor migrant tenant farming and uh the couple's name was tony and mabel he dropped out of school at 15 
and was instantly known as a thief, cow rustler, and a womanizer. For over 20 years, he was suspected of being involved in theft, and it could have it varied from grain to gas, alcohol, and even livestock. But somehow, he was never charged in any of the 21 convictions. He ended up having more than 10 kids with multiple women. In the 60s and 70s, which we've been saying here, the 70s and 60s was a wild time in the United States. But he was more than the town bully and was even often referred to as the dictator because he ran the town from everything and uh, everything that I've read, everything that I've heard from, again, my local source and everything like that. Like, it was dark. Like, you didn't mess with this guy at all. He was the dictator of this town. And he actually raped and pillaged for over two decades. And sadly, if he thought that you were pretty, you were his. There was no questions. There was no anything. You were now his. And it unfortunately didn't matter if you were 12 or if you were 40. You were his if you wanted. He would steal whatever, whoever, whenever. And if you didn't like it, you better watch out. Because he actually stole a 12-year-old girl and actually did very terrible, terrible things to this girl and then married her at the age of, I think, 12 or 14, and then actually made her have one of his kids at 14. I mean, that's how disgusting and twisted this guy is. And the parents, obviously, of this child fought back, and then he stalked them. And then he actually burned their house down and then killed all of their pets. Wow. Yeah. And then the girl escaped a little bit later in life with the child, and then he, uh, and she actually went back to the parents' house. He then burned their house down again and then killed their new dog. Yeah. I mean, this guy is... And he, he took her back. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. I mean, stole her back. And it, like I said, it, and there's just over many, many of these same kind of stories and everything. And everything you see, everything you read. Like I said, we could have went on and on, but there's so many crazy other stories that happened in the same exact town that I didn't want to spend a lot of time. But if you do continue to look into this, that's just one of many. That's kind of the main, the one of the main ones because it was actually his last wife, like legally wife. And uh, you're probably thinking, Meg, and, and probably everybody listening is like, how the heck could he do this? But he had such a stronghold over anyone and anybody in the entire town or area that wanted to press charges. And he actually had a mob connected lawyer and he would harass you like no other he would stalk you. He would shoot you. He would do anything you want. And even it was so nasty that the police wouldn't do anything because they actually feared him as well. And obviously tied to the mob, having this lawyer got him out of actually everything. So then in the summer of 1973, he was arrested for arson, assault, and statutory rape. He was released on a $2,500 bail. Could you imagine $2,500 for those three terrible crimes so his very young wife, the same one who was, uh, I think, 14 or so at the time, that's when she uh, fled and was put into foster care in a nearby town. So then he got out of jail, made bail on that $2,500. He then sat outside the foster home for hours at a time. Then he even told the foster family that he would trade him girl for girl so he could have his girl back. He was just going to take another girl and trade them so he could get his kid, his wife and everything back. He even then threatened the foster family as he knew where their actual biological daughter went to school and which bus she rode. A few weeks before, the kind of the dust settled and everything on this, he then shoots a farmer twice with a shotgun after the farmer told him to stop shooting on his property. 
So he's out on this random property shooting. The farmer confronts him and he shoots him. He's then in, he's in charged with assault with intent to kill and acquitted after apparently all of these, um, forget what animal hunting, there was a certain one, like some kind of small game, mm-hmm. actually randomly came to his side and said, yeah, we were with him. Not, this didn't happen. I don't know how this guy got shot. Because these guys stepped up, probably forcefully, he was acquitted. It's unbelievable, right? <laughs> it's unreal. So then it's 1980. He has a daughter who got in trouble stealing some candy at a local store. So what does he do? He stalks the couple that owns the store. And it's an older couple. They were in their 70s. And he just stalks them and stalks them and stalks them. He then goes into the back of the store, shoots the owner twice, one hitting his neck. The owner does survive. And he was arrested. And and he was charged for attempted murder. He, um, he was then freed on bail again during his trial. He, he was actually convicted, apparently, though, of this one, but then he made bail, and then uh, his, his trial was pending. So he then gets released because of the post-trial hearing. He then goes to the old D&G Tavern, which obviously is a local bar. He goes into this bar with an M1-something rifle, some kind of rifle, with a bayonet attached to this rifle, and then made some very nasty threats about what he would do to the owner of said grocery store. This led to several of the patrons at the bar deciding what they could do legally to prevent him from harming anyone else. So he then has his appeal hearing, and then it was delayed. And then on the morning of July 10th, 1981, the townspeople met at the Legion Hall in the center of the town, and the county sheriff, Dan Estes, joins them and discusses how they can actually all protect themselves. During the meeting, the uh, McElroy, he actually arrives back at DNG Tavern with the young girl um, that he was married to at the time. So as he sits there, he's drinking at the bar again with very young wife just sitting at the bar. And then word gets back to all of these people that are actually at the Legion Hall that they were having this meeting about him. And they got fired up. And the sheriff was like, hey, we should probably not do that. Don't confront him. You never know what's going to happen. But instead, they decided, hey, we're not going to we're not going to, you know, form a neighborhood watch. We're going to go take care of this right now. So the cop decides to drive out and just kind of gets away from the situation. See what kind of happens. The citizens then go in mass to the bar and confront him. All right. So this guy finishes his drinks. He orders a six pack of beer to go, leaves the bar, gets in his truck. Again, this whole mob of people surround the truck. Join host Dave Houghton and Sarah Ray Pallet as they examine the less glamorous side of sports with their podcast, In a Pickle. Follow IAP Radio on social media by going to iapradio.com. In a Pickle is now part of the Den Network. For more information, go to iapradio.com. All right. While he's sitting in there, he is shot at several times, only hit twice. And apparently he was hit with a 22 rifle and some other um, kind of rifle as well. There was 46 people that were around this vehicle, witnessed the shooting. One of them was his last wife. Uh, she was actually sitting in the truck. Apparently no shots hit her or anything near there. And um, nobody called for an ambulance. Only 
the wife claimed to identify the gunman. Every other witness was just unable to name who did it, how they did it, what they did it, and they just kind of let things go. The DA decided to not press charges, and an extensive federal inva- investigation didn't lead to any charges at all. Then there was a uh, there was a Missouri-based journalist, Steve Boer, that's what I'm going to go with, described the attitude of some of the townspeople as, he just needed killing. The wife filed a $5 million wrongful death lawsuit, and they settled for $17,600. Hmm. Just to kind of say, hey, this is going to cover expenses of this and that. The lawyers and everything, they made a movie about that called "The Broad In Broad Daylight, and several books, several news reports, and everything like that. So... That's wild, right? Yeah. I mean, unbelievable. This guy does nasty things for decades. And finally, 46 people, 45, and then obviously the wife or whatever, were like, nah, we're going to take care of this ourselves. And nothing comes of it. I mean, that's enough craziness for one for one town, right? There's no way there could be another one, right? Mm, that okay. was a pretty wild story. All right. Want to add another one? <laughs> sure. Okay. 20 years or so past town gets back into the news it's now april of 2001 went from the 80s to 2001 so you know not too too long ago but long enough because we're starting to get older meg (sighs) anyways a young man walks out of his house (laughs) tells a friend that he has to put some jumper cables into a shed out back then he vanishes just gone and this young man is branson perry worked several different jobs after graduating high school he was living with his father bob he suffered from tachycardia condition that made his heart race excessively he was a black belt in hapkido which is korean martial arts and there's a good chance i didn't say that right but should have just went with korean (laughs) martial arts so as the story goes he invited his friend jenna over to his house to kind of help clean the house as his father who had been sick at the time bob was um, coming home from the hospital he'd been in there for a little bit so he said hey can you help me clean the house up a little bit at the time there was two other unnamed men They were outside working on Bob's car, which needed a new alternator. At at approximately 3 p.m., that's when Perry said, Hey, Jenna, I'm going to take these jumper cables outside to a shed that was adjacent to the house. And this was the last time he was ever seen. They searched. There it is. I was wondering how you're going to work that in. It just came out. I like it. So (laughs) they search everywhere, and they're unable to get any clues at all nobody's seen from him nobody's heard from him even the jumper cables were missing but then guess what two weeks later the jumper cables they magically come back right outside the door Hmm. apparently there was talks and rumors that he started using drugs and the rumor was that he owed a drug dealer some money and they took him but nothing was found from it turns out though that there was a minister and a boy scout leader who was arrested for very nasty things and we're just gonna leave it on nasty things like first degree assault, practicing medicine without a license after he apparently removed a trans woman's genitals in a makeshift gender reassignment surgery at a hotel in Columbia. They then found a ton of disturbing information on his computer and actually discovered in this investigation that had nothing to do with Perry, that he actually picked up a hitchhiker that was blonde like him and did very terrible, terrible things to this hitchhiker. And with all of these facts, he's in jail, but he would never admit to having any involvement in the disappearance of Perry. To this day, nobody has come forward in the body and any clues have not been found. Hmm. 
<laughs> wild, right? <laughs> so I mean, you got this nasty dictator, and then you have a you know uh, um, you have this guy, you know, the priest, the Boy Scout leader, the minister, sorry, and the Boy Scout leader. They find a ton of disturbing things, and sounds like he s- steals somebody almost. Does a bunch of nasty things. Yeah. Is it him? Is it him? Either way, it's just wild that nothing has came from this. Nothing. Right? You'd think they'd have found something. How can somebody just vanish within three people were there? I'm confused, though, because everything that I read, it was just always unnamed, unnamed, unnamed. And it just makes you wonder about these unnamed people. You know what I mean? Obviously, they don't want to be involved because maybe if they come up forward and then the same people, if he was stolen, come and get him. I get it, but just crazy to me. But that has to be it for Skidmore, right? I have a feeling that... That's not true. That's not true. There's one (laughs) more wild story. This one is brutal. It is an absolute brutal murder that then happens in 2004. Lisa Marie Montgomery, a 36-year-old, meets Bobby Joe Stinnett, a 23-year-old, who had a dog breeding business in their house with with her husband, and they were actually expecting a child. And these two met, the, the two women, met in a rat terrier chat room called Ratter Chatter. Kind of cool name, right? <laughs> I don't hate it. <laughs> Stay out of Ratter Chatter, okay? Because they got in there, they started having a conversation about rat terriers, and then they started talking about being pregnant, dogs, everything, you know, just kind of making a friendship. Nothing crazy there, right? Hmm. Well, it's then reported that Mom Montgomery enters the house of the 23-year-old pretending to be Darlene Fisher, who is actually a buyer for a terrier. Apparently, she then proceeds to strangle her to death. Walks in pretending to be somebody else to buy a dog, strangles her. If that's not bad enough, she then cuts out the unborn child from this lady and runs away. The body is found within an hour by her mother and actually was described in the medical report and by the medical personnel that her stomach exploded. It was that gruesome of a scene. Allegedly then, Montgomery calls the husband who was on a shopping trip and actually pretended to be the wife wife, and said that she went into labor and actually gave birth. Then the following day, December 17th, police arrest Montgomery at her farmhouse in Melbourne, Kansas. A witness would later report that on the morning before her arrest, Montgomery took the infant, her husband, two teenage sons, to a restaurant for breakfast. Police had initially gone to Montgomery's home after tracing the online communications to her IP address, hoping to interview her as a witness. When they arrived, they found a car matching the description of the one at the crime scene. When they entered the home, they found Montgomery inside, holding the infant and watching television. She was arrested an hour later. Um, her entire story under investigation just fell apart, and then she just gave up and confessed. The kidnapped newborn, whom she claimed as her own, was recovered and soon placed into the custody of the father. Thankfully, the police were able to track her down so quickly because of the ratter chatter chat. <laughs> Not crazy. I mean, that's beyond crazy. It's, I, it's like it's, mind-blowing that the baby actually came through with all this. Right. I mean, and I think from what I remember reading it, the baby was about eight months old, roughly, up there. So, you know, about a month or so. Uh, early from from everything and just, just unbelievable. So then the Montgomery was tried and found guilty in 2007. 
She was executed by lethal injection shortly after midnight on January 13, 2021, having exhausted the appeals process. Montgomery became the first female federal inmate since 1953 to be executed by the U.S. federal government and only the fourth female overall that's ever been put away by lethal injection. Wild, right? Yeah. I mean, Skidmore, Missouri. Let's take that off the map when traveling. I mean, I'm not going anywhere near there. And <laughs> I, I mean, there was even talks of me potentially going to meet up with the person that was telling me about this story. And I, I don't want to be anywhere near. <laughs> I mean, if he said really around 20 miles or so, I'm sorry, man. We're going to have to go to a whole different state because there's just some craziness. And even he said he stays away from it. There's no way or reason to ever go in there. There's no businesses or nothing. Nobody really goes there. <laughs> and um, I can confirm that I will never go there. But if I do, I'll take some pictures, throw them up in the socials for all you guys. I mean, one of those is bad enough to have all three of those happen in the same town. Just <laughs> crazy. All right. Let's leave you with a quote. You want to leave them with a quote? Should we do the quote? Do the quote. All right. People in small towns, much more than in cities, share a destiny. Richard Russo. Not really sure what the destiny is, but it kind of seemed like a cool quote. And man, hopefully there's no more destiny for that town. I mean, just get out of there. 245 of you, if you're there, just go. I mean, just get out of there, please. Or maybe, you know, everything comes in threes, I guess they say. Maybe it's done. It's over. No more bad things. I don't know. But either way, let's give a let's get a little Shout out to our sources, obviously, Wikipedia, shortest Wikipedia I've ever seen in the medium.com. Um, there was a lot of cool information in there. Are, the two Are main you looking for a place where all things are and don't know where to go? Pretty much just uh, some, some stories. Well, you came to the right place, my friend. Thank you, Yubin. This great, yeah, great Thanks, cool everybody. Podcast. Taking for some time to listen to the 27th edition of the Your Town Podcast. Creepiest small town in America. Skidmore. Not going near there, but that's all I got. You got anything else? Nope. Perfect. All right. Well, we'll see you next week. That's all I got. Take care, everybody.